All right. How we doing, Trace? Everybody feeling good today? Beautiful weather outside. Good day to have a gathering here at Trace Church. So glad you're here today. I want to say welcome to all of you in this room. I want to say welcome to those of you that will be joining us online today. Thanks for joining the conversation. A special shout out to our guests. Thanks for coming and being a part of this gathering with us. It truly is an honor for us to have you with us today. And I do want to take a moment really quick before we jump into the message portion of our time together. I do want to celebrate what's happening on the north end of our city. Uh, today we extend the Trace family by launching Trace Church North Gate. And I can't even begin to tell you how surreal this is to me. If Five years ago, I can still remember sitting in my office at a different church down in Arizona and kind of writing out this bigger vision and mission of what uh, a new church could look like, this idea of a trace church, because truth and grace coming together, because we believe that the the church should be pursuing the fullness of both of those things, and how that might have been attractive. It was going to become attractive enough for someone else to want to come in and say, you know what, I'd like to be a part of this trace family. And so if you're new here, let me tell you kind of how we're going to be doing things moving forward. We are going to start a network. We good? Is that me? Up here? Do I have that much bass to my voice? Um, we're we're going to start a network of trace churches uh, that are going to be individually led by a lead pastor, but they'll be a part of the same family. We're going to call it the Trace Network, the Trace Network of Churches. It's a big family, and so we're doing that. We begin that today by launching on the north end of our town and the north end of our city. And so I want to pray right now. I want to ask you that you'll pray with me. Specifically, can we figure that out? Anybody? Do we know? Anybody? Um. I want to ask that you pray specifically with me. You might not know something, and it's a statistic that you probably should know, and that is um, the two zip codes on the north end of our city are the highest zip codes in our country, uh, or they're in the top five for teenage suicide. And so we're not just starting another church. Like, yeah, it's exciting, and yay, we're starting a new church and all that fun stuff, but friends, we're actually going up there to penetrate the darkness. We're sending people to go up there so that they can be the light of the world, that they can extend hope when life hurts, so that they can be a representation of the gospel in a very tangible way by loving those people up there really well. And so I want you to pray with me, and then we'll get into our message portion of our time. God, thanks so much for today, and God, thank you for who you are, Father. Thank you for what you're doing here and this unrealistic story that we keep talking about that you're writing here and today that extends. And we're starting this new Trace Church on the north end of our city. And God, I pray, God, for your favor uh, with those guys. I pray that you'll uh, come alongside of them and uh, just do incredible things in and through their efforts, God, that you'll multiply their, their efforts, that you'll give them opportunities and divine appointment to step into the darkness that's happening up on the north end of our city, God, that you would... Um, just do a miracle, Father, that you would allow Jesus to become famous in that area because of the love that they're going to extend in your name up there. And so, God, we pray this together. We collectively say this together, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. All right. Well, guys, today we do kick off this new series called Rewired, and we're going to be in this series over the next three weeks, and we're going to be looking at these three particular subjects, sex, love, <clears throat> and dating, and I'll give this mic an opportunity if it keeps popping, then I'll go to a handheld Uh, We're going to be looking at sex, love, and dating, and today our conversation is going to lean a little bit heavier towards my single friends in the room. Okay, I'm going. Here we go. All right. Is it on? All right. This is going to be interesting because I haven't used a handheld mic, so here we go. All right. Um, Today is going to lean a little bit heavier towards my single friends in the room. Uh, for those of you that are still in the game, if you will, do, does anybody say that anymore? Can you, no, sorry, I'm showing my age. Uh, but let me hear it from the single people. Can I hear it from the single people in here? All right, yeah, there we go, there they are. 
And if you're married and you happen to think to yourself right now, like, I showed up on the wrong weekend, like, why are we here? I don't think you're going to feel that way at the end of our time together. I really do believe uh, that this message has something for everyone. I believe this message is going to give you some insights and potentially some tools that you're going to be able to share with maybe your teenage kids, maybe college kids, maybe a single friend that you know uh, that's maybe in need for some, some good information, some good godly information. And so, that's my hope, and just a reminder that if you ever want to share one of our messages, we put them on our website on every Monday, and so if you feel like this message is share-worthy, uh, feel free to get on our website, tracechurch.com, and you can share this message as early as tomorrow. Now, a big part of our conversation today is going to be looking at two different perspectives, and even though you could likely predict the perspective that I'm going to bring to the table, what I don't want you to do is be dismissive. Because there's too much potential for pain and heartache when it comes to the subject of sex, love, and dating. There's too much potential for pain and heartache to be dismissive of this discussion, whether it's predictable or not. And if I could be so bold, what I want many of you to do today is this right here. I want you to make up your mind. I want you to make up your mind. In other words, determine today the decisions that you know that you need to make and the direction that you know that God wants you to take. Because when left to chance, don't miss this, when left to chance, you're only going to be as strong as your weakest moment. You're only going to be as strong as your weakest moment. And you get this, this world is flooding you with horrible information when it comes to the subjects of sex, love, and dating. Like it's not, it's not like we're at a loss for information or advice or input. This world is flooding us with information when it comes to sex, love, and dating. And so I really do believe one of the best things you can do today is determine ahead of time who you're going to be. Determine ahead of time that you're going to make up your mind that this is the track that you're going to take so that you don't leave yourself subjected to your weakest moment. Another statement that I want to make clear on the front end of this is this right here. Stop looking so hard for who you need to be with and instead just focus on who you need to be. Can I say it again? Stop looking so hard for who you need to be with and instead focus on who you need to be. I think I could also say it like this, and it's our one thing for today. Become the person that you're looking for is looking for. Instead of spending so much time looking for the right person, we'll talk about that a little bit more later, why don't you become the person that you're looking for is looking for? And friends, listen to me. I believe if you will take this approach, not only will it save you a lot of time and a lot of pain, but it might save you a lot of money. And so my hope is that you're starting to lean into this conversation because what we're going to be talking about today, if you ask me, is incredibly, critically even important. Now, I felt that Due to the subject, the subjects that we're going to be covering today, I felt like it was appropriate to have a disclaimer on the front end of this message. And so just give me a moment because I do think that this is important. One of my biggest hopes in this entire series, so over the next three weeks, is to help you to think differently when it comes to how we look at these three areas. That this series would encourage you and equip you to make wise decisions right now, creating a story that you would actually want to tell later. And I'm sure that you get this. The decisions that we make now are either setting us up for success later or they're setting us up for failure later. And when it comes to the areas of sex, love, and dating, I think we all have a few failures following us. This is why so many of you are already asking this question right here. Aaron, I get it. Aaron, I know this is a really important subject matter, and I know especially important for our young people and our single people and I know this is something I need to listen to. I know it's something I need to learn more about. But what if I've already failed? What if I've already failed? Friends, listen to me. Failure 
in the hands of God is never final. Failure in the hands of God is never final. And that, that doesn't mean that the consequences of our actions up till now are going to be erased, but it does mean that with a new approach and with a new set of guardrails in place and with a new source, we're going to talk more about that, Today you can begin to write a new story, one that you'll actually want to tell to your kids one day. And for what it's worth, because we're a culture of transparency around here, when it comes to sex, love, and dating, friends, I got a lot wrong in my younger life. But as many of you know, you've been around here for a little while. If you're new here, I've shared you know, some of my junk along the way. There was a moment, a season in my life, a pivotal moment, I would call it, where I decided to go in a different direction where I knew that God was calling me to something better, where I decided to start becoming somebody different. And during that season, there was a passage, there was a, a passage of scripture that kind of surfaced for me that became pivotal in that season of life. And I want to share it with you today. It's Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. Let me read it to you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Let's pause there for a second. The best way that we can worship God, Paul's telling us in his letter to the Roman church right here, the best way that we can honor God, to, I'm sorry, to worship God, is to actually honor him with our bodies. Verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Some of you, listen to me, some of you need to go home and you need to take an expo or lipstick or whatever you need to, and you need to write those words on your mirror so that you look at them every morning when you wake up and you're brushing your teeth. I hope you brush your teeth every morning. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The reason I can talk about this with so much passion and so much experience is because God has allowed me to experience this. I truly have experienced what it looks like to allow God to transform the way that you think, giving you a new lens on how you look at all of life, how do you look at yourself, how you look at other people, how you approach relationships. There's the possibility for each person in this room today to experience that kind of transformation. And honestly, some of us need it. Some of us need to be completely transformed in how we are approaching life, how we're approaching sex, love, and dating, how we're approaching everything, really. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let me go back to that. Then, everybody say then. You see, when we stop conforming to the pattern of this world, something happens. Clarity starts to take place in our mind, and we start to see things differently. Then, once we stop conforming to the pattern of this world, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And isn't that, what, isn't that why you're here today? I mean, isn't that what we're all after? Don't we want clarity on what it is? God, what is the next step that you want me to take in my life? What do you want me to do about this relationship? What do you want me to do about my, my job right now? Because there's some shady things happening. We're all looking for God's will in our life, what it is that we're wanting to do next. God says that comes on the other end of stop, stopping. Does that make sense? Stopping, transforming, or conforming to the pattern in this world. Friends, this verse became such a pivotal verse in my life, in this particular season, this is about 20 years ago, that I got on Nike, uh, Nike's website, and I actually custom-made a pair of tennis shoes. Yeah, I'm a nerd. I get it. And I custom-made a pair of tennis shoes that said ROM, because I abbreviated Romans, ROM 12, 1 through 2. And at that time in my life, I was a health professional, and so I'm working with athletes. I was a strength coach, and I'm working with different clients. And so it wasn't uncommon for somebody to look at my shoes and see that and say, hey, what does that mean? 
And in that moment, it gave me an opportunity to share the gospel with them and share with them that no matter where they had been in their life or what they had done, that God could do something new in their life if they would stop conforming to the pattern of, the, of this word, if they would stop going to the world for their guidance and their answers and start going to God instead. And friends, this is exactly what I want to talk to you about today. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to finally end this really long introduction to a sermon, maybe the longest one I've ever done, and encourage you to open your Bibles up or turn them on to John chapter 4. And we're going to read a passage of Scripture together that is going to give us an illustration that we're going to build off of to bring more clarity to this conversation today. If you don't have your Bibles with you today, feel free to follow along on the screen. We're going to pick up in John chapter 4, beginning in verse 3. So he, being Jesus, left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Now I think this is funny because sometimes we don't talk about the humanity of Jesus, but Jesus got tired. Like Jesus' like Jesus's cardio wasn't where it needed to be, and he had to sit down. He got a little, he got a little winded. He got to sit down. He got to catch his breath. Remember, he was fully God and fully man. He was tired from his journey. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Now his disciples had gone into the town to buy food, so they're not around in this moment. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. That's a sermon for a different day. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water, pay attention, Hold on to this. Everyone who drinks this water, everyone who drinks from this well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I'm going to give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It's going to build inside of them all things that are good. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus, give me what I really need so I don't have to keep coming back to this. Do you know that over the last decade plus of ministry that I've been involved with, I've made a couple observations. And one of the observations that I've made is that when it comes to relationships, it seems that people are getting, or I should say it this way, when it comes to dating, people seem to be getting a lot more experience rich in relationship poor. They may want more physical interactions, but something inside of them continues to be left empty, and they keep coming back to the same source over and over and over, trying to fill this gap that somehow doesn't seem to be filled. But they keep going back to the same source, and really what they're looking for, and oftentimes people don't know this is what they're looking for, but what they're looking for is true intimacy. Now, we've kind of, we've, we've made This is, is this going dead now? All right, I'm going to try the other mic. I don't think the enemy wants me to preach this sermon today, guys. I don't know what's going on. All right. We'll give it a shot. Where was I? Intimacy. Yeah. Um, a lot of times people have defined intimacy as something that is more physical, that it's more sexual in nature. But the true definition of intimacy is to know 
and to be fully known. And even though there's a real desire for something more meaningful in most people's lives in their heart and they feel it and they know it, most people just keep going back to the same well. A well that's always going to leave them thirsty. And so that leads me to a really, really important question today. When it comes to sex, love, and dating, what well are you drinking from? Are you drinking from a well that's going to keep you thirsty? Or are you drinking from the well of wisdom that Jesus offers that says will lead you to a life that all of us really want? A few years back, Corey and I went to one of our favorite fishing spots down in Arizona, and it was a place called the Black River, and it was up in the White Mountains of Arizona, and it was the best smallmouth bass fisheries uh, that I've ever fished, and so I love fishing for smallmouth bass, and so we went back to a spot that we had been to before, and it was a spot we had done really well in, caught a ton of fish the last time we had gone to this spot, and so we went, set up our camp, got our fishing poles out, and headed up the river, and we started fishing. After about two hours of not catching anything, we started to notice something. Not only were we not catching anything, but we weren't even seeing any fish. And this was really uncommon because this place was usually full of fish. And then we noticed that we weren't seeing any crawfish either. And if you're from the south, you call them crawdads. Anybody else call them crawdads? Anybody? Come on. Yeah, yeah, you guys are special. And uh, we weren't seeing anything alive. And it took us a little while, but then we remembered something. About six months before we had arrived there, there had been a huge forest fire several miles up the river. And when there's a big forest fire, as you can imagine, kind of the, the floor of the forest starts to build up with ash. And then there was a huge rain. We remembered all this. It was talked about in the news. There was a big rain, and that rain washed all of this ash into the river, which makes the river toxic, and it depletes all the oxygen, and it, call, and it causes what's called a fish kill. And so we realized, like... We're not going to be able to catch any fish here, so we picked up camp and we went somewhere else. Now, there was one redeeming thing for Corey specifically out of that fishing trip. It was the closest he's ever gotten to beating me at fishing because neither one of us caught him. I love you, Corey. All right, guys, listen to me. Can you imagine how foolish it would have been for us to keep fishing once we realized that everything in that water was dead? Can you, can you imagine how foolish that would have been? Yet when it comes to sex, love, and dating, it seems that we keep coming back to a source. We keep coming back to the well that isn't leading us to the life that we want, that isn't leading us to the experiences when it comes to relationships that we want. And not only do we often find ourselves in unhealthy situations when it comes to our relationships because of the well that we find ourselves drinking from, sometimes it leads to toxic relationships. Things that can do a lot of damage, leading you potentially to some of the biggest regrets that you may ever have in your life. Friends, this is why it is so important that you determine today who you're going to be, that you make up your mind today because the decisions that you make now will largely impact the relationships that you have in the future, including, and maybe most importantly, your marriage. So let me ask you one more time what will? What will? Are you drinking from? For the sake of building this conversation and adding some points of clarification, I am going to alliterate here and I'm going to put together two different categories. And these two categories are going to look like this it's going to be the well of the world 
that we've been talking about or the well of wisdom that comes from Jesus. And so we're going to begin with the well of this world and what it is that it is feeding us, the lies potentially that this well is feeding us when we go back to it. The first one would be this, chemistry. Man, that's all you're really looking for. Make sure that there's chemistry. Make sure you have chemistry because chemistry can overcome a lot of things. But the way that you often get to chemistry, the, what, what the world's going to tell you is you get chemistry by having some physical interactions. And let's see how much chemistry is here and the passion and the endorphins start to rise. And yes, you're going to feel like there's something special going on, right? Because every, if everything feels right, then it must be right. And this is a lie that we believe. And man, there's some dumb things that we say in the process of being caught up in chemistry. And I'd probably say it this way, going back to those toxic relationships, you probably observed along the way somebody getting into a relationship that you know that they shouldn't have been in. But when they come to you, and oftentimes on the other end of sexual experiences, what they're going to tell you is, yeah, but you don't know us. Like what we have together, it's special. It's this incredible bond, and you don't know us. Like love's going to keep us alive. And then you'll hear people say really dumb things when they're speaking from chemistry. Like, yeah, his breath stinks, but that's his unique smell. That's just him. But then it gets a little bit worse. Yeah, I know he looks at porn, but don't all guys? He'll grow out of it. Or maybe for guys as they're looking at the girl that they're with. Man, she seems to spend a lot of money. I think all of her credit cards are maxed out. But she always looks so good and she smells so good, so I think I could overlook that. You see, when we focus too much on chemistry that oftentimes comes on the other end of physical interactions that never should even happen outside of marriage, we end up allowing chemistry to override, override character. And so maybe somebody needs to write this statement down today. Don't ever, don't ever sacrifice character for the sake of chemistry. Number two, the Christian approach, man, that's dull and old-fashioned, right? I told you what I was going to say today was probably going to be predictable. That, that approach, that Christian approach, yeah, pastor, I knew you were going to say the stuff that you're saying. That approach, it's old and it's old-fashioned. That is outdated. That is obsolete. Does anybody even do that anymore? I mean, this idea of courting and just dating and not kind of testing the waters and having those sexual experiences. Does anybody, does anybody even do that anymore? I mean, that's weird. Be weird. Be weird. Because listen to me. Normal, it ain't working. Normal ain't working. If you ask me, normal is crazy. So when it comes to the relationships and how you approach sex, love, and dating, listen to me, be weird. And there's another statement that I want you to make, and some of you, this is going to land for some people uh, more in the face than maybe others. As soon as you know that there's no future to the relationship that you're in right now, as soon as you know, you got to end it. you got to make it final. you got to end it. Because what, if you don't, I've noticed this happen, this is a trend that I kind of watch young people specifically do. If you don't end it when you know there's no future, what happens is you start to make these little subtle compromises that oftentimes end you up in a bedroom. And what I mean by that is, well, like, I don't know if there's anything here. I don't know if I'm feeling the connection. I don't know if there's the chemistry. So maybe we just need to try some things out. Maybe we need to test the waters a little bit more. Maybe we need to have some physical or more sexual interactions to see if there's anything to this. As soon as you know that there's no future for the relationship you're in, end it. If you don't, you'll do something stupid. You will. Number three, just find the right person. This is, again, this is all from the well of the world. This is what the well of the world is trying to feed us. Just find the right person and everything will be what? All right. I mean, that's what all you got to do. Just find the right person and everything else is going to be all right. Because when you find the right person, you're going to have chemistry. And so what people do is they spend all of their time looking for the right person. I call this the right person myth. 
And then in the process of just looking for the right person, thinking that somebody magically is going to fall out of the sky, and then when they get together, everything's just going to be all right. It's like a good fairy tale. That's not how it works. Because instead of looking so hard for the right person, why don't you become the person that you're looking for is looking for? I didn't tell this story last, last service, but I'm going to tell it really quick. Uh, there was a pastor that I know that was telling me this story. He said that there was a young lady who came to him, and he was, she was talking to him uh, about this situation that had happened in her life where she had gone to a party. And when she went to this party, she met this guy, and they struck up this conversation, really long conversation. This guy, like, he was it. He was the total package. He was a strong believer. He was talking about how involved he was with his faith and with like different you know, ministry things that were happening at his church. Like he was the full package. And she came home, <clears throat> excuse me, she came home and she went to tell her mom, like, Mom, I found the right guy. And she went through this whole process of unfolding how incredible this guy was. And then the mom looked at her daughter and said, Yeah, honey, that's great. But a guy like that is not looking for a girl like you. And even though that sounds like the most horrible mom in the world, the girl said she was exactly right. Because she was just looking for the right person, but she was dismissing the fact that she needed to be becoming the person that she was looking for, was looking for by putting work into her character and who God was calling her to be. So just find the right person and everything will be all right. That's a myth. And some people will find themselves in marriage on the other end of pursuing relationships in this context, this right person myth, and then they'll find themselves married, and things aren't going the way that they went on the front end of their relationship when all the passion was alive and when all the chemistry was alive, and then they find themselves in their marriage and they start saying things like this, I guess I married the wrong person because they didn't put the work in where they needed to put the work in before they got married. Number four. Having sex, again, this is from the well of this world. Having sex is a natural part of the process. There's a statement that if we're not careful sometimes, and there's several statements out there, statements that the world is trying to convince us are good statements, but they're still not in the parameters the way that God defines sex, love, and marriage, and, or sex, love, and dating. And one of the things that you'll hear is, wait until you're ready. I mean, that sounds like good advice, right? I mean, just wait until you're ready. And I'm almost positive that a woman came up with that statement. And here's why. I'm not throwing women under the bus. Just stay with me. The reason why I think a woman came up with that is because like, we know that like, we don't want young girls or we don't want any women feeling ever pressured to do anything that they don't want to do. So wait until you're ready. But the reason why I know a guy didn't come up with that, because if you ask any teenage boy, like, wait until you're ready, he's going to be like, what are you talking about? I'm ready now. Like, what are you talking about? This is going to happen today if you wanted me to wait until I'm ready. And so sometimes there's there's information that sounds like it's good, but it's still not from God. We're going to talk a whole lot about sex next week, so I'll kind of put that off until then. Number five, last one. A lie that this world is trying to give you if we keep coming back to the well of this world is that singleness is bad. And if singleness is bad, then that leads a lot of my single friends to a place where they feel desperate. Because if singleness is bad, that means I must not be what I need to be If I'm not already in a relationship, and so that leads to this kind of desperation, and listen to me, this is huge, where there is desperation, there is exploitation. And so many people, our world is exploiting this desperation within singleness because it's been sold as if it's bad, and dating sites are making millions of dollars off of this false narrative 
that all you've got to do is find the right person and everything's going to be all right now. Listen to me, if you use dating sites, I'm not bashing them at all. Some of you found your spouse that way and it's been a really, really good thing. But that doesn't negate the fact that they are exploiting singles by acting like, hey, if you haven't found the right person yet, then you're kind of behind. You're, you're not as effective as those of your friends that are already in great relationships. So friends, the main point that I want to get across here is singleness is not bad. I think we should celebrate singles more often. How about you? Let's celebrate them right now. It's okay. I think the Apostle Paul would agree with that too. We'll talk more about that next week. So that leads me to the well of wisdom. The well of wisdom, which begins here. And I know this is redundant, and I'm going to be redundant on purpose. What is the wise thing to do? A couple weeks ago, we hammered this home, this idea where it's like it's time to stop just doing whatever it is that you feel like doing in any given moment, what you think is going to give you instant gratification, what you think is going to give you pleasure. It's time to stop doing what they want you to do or what he or she wants you to do. It's time to start answering this question honestly. What is the wise thing to do? And if we'll, co- we'll continue to come back to this question and answer it honestly, what is the wise thing to do? It's going to lead you to a life of fewer regrets. And there's not one person in this room that when it comes to the subjects of sex, love, and dating, that you want to live a life of more regret. Number two, the well of wisdom says don't settle for something less than what God has for you. Now, this is where things have gotten a little bit more toxic, so please pay attention. I've met so many young ladies specifically that have remained in unhealthy, toxic relationships because they settled. They were settling for something, much, for something much less than what God had for them. Because it just sounded way too hard to get out of that relationship and try to find another one, right? And this is that kind of where the singleness thing starts to factor in, where it's like, I don't want to be single again because being single is bad. And so I don't want to be single again, so at least I'm in a relationship right now. And yeah, he told me he was sorry. He told me he was never going to do it again. And so what happens is you end up settling for something so much for something so much less than what God has for you. There's something called the Denver syndrome. This reminds me of the Denver syndrome. And what happens, you know, back in the 1800s when people were migrating west, they would get to Denver. And once they got to Denver, they would see the Rocky Mountains. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, like it's already been really hard up to this point. Do we really want to try to tackle those mountains? And most of them said, no. So let's settle. Let's give up. Let's just call it a day and let's live here. I feel like that's where so many of my friends have been in the past, people that I've had to walk through some horrible, horrible situations with because they settled. They settled for something much less than what God had for them, something that was destructive, toxic, unhealthy. And so if any of you, listen to me, if any of you happen to know someone or if you happen to be that someone in that kind of relationship, man, please seek help whether it's from me or a marriage counselor or something, just please seek help. God has something so much better for you. Do not settle for something unhealthy or destructive. Number three, the well of wisdom says sex is so much more than a physical transaction of pleasure. This delicate thing that we call sex, it's so much more than a physical transaction of pleasure. But that's what the world's going to try to sell you. Again, we'll talk a whole lot about that next week. Number four, don't grow in experience. Grow in love. Don't grow in experience, which is what this world is selling you all the time. No matter what TV show you seem to watch these days, it's selling you, man, have as many experiences as possible so that then you'll know when the right experience happens and that chemistry's there, you'll know it's the right one. 
Don't grow in experience, grow in love. Grow in relational depth. Don't accept this asinine advice that comes from this culture that says, make sure you have sex first, make sure it's good, like test the waters, get you some of that, so that you know if it's good and it's what you want moving forward. Don't accept this asinine advice that says, hey, make sure you're compatible with that person so you should move in together first. And listen, I know there's probably some of you in this room, and I'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable because you're living with a boyfriend or girlfriend right now, but I definitely want to challenge you. That's my job. I want to challenge you because that's not the way that God designed it. And you probably don't know this statistic, but you should. Do you know the average um, divorce rate, the percentage of divorce rates in America is 50% of all marriages around that. Do you know that if you live with someone before you get married, that percentage goes up to 75%? And some people would be like, well, why? That doesn't make sense, does it? I mean, you're testing the waters out. You're trying to see if you're compatible with that person. It makes complete sense <clears throat> to, move in that per- to move in with that person before we ever chose to get married. That makes complete sense. Listen to me, and I know this is hard to hear, but I have to say it this strongly. God doesn't bless disobedience. He doesn't bless disobedience, so... That percentage makes a lot of sense to me. And so if you happen to be in those kind of living arrangements now, this is not a message about guilt, but I do hope that you're hearing that God's got something differently, something different planned for you, something different when it comes to how you're approaching sex, love, and dating. And my hope is that he's speaking to you about that right now. Number five. Last one. Who you are becoming And I know this is almost a redundant statement as well, but i got to keep coming back to it. Who you are becoming is so much more important than who you're looking for. Who you are becoming is so much more important than who you are looking for. Friends, that's why you have to determine who you are before you determine who you're going to be with. Most married people today don't actually have marriage problems. They have individual problems that they brought into marriage and when they finally realized we didn't put the work in in the areas where we needed to put it in. We were probably sacrificing character for the sake of chemistry and they didn't put the work in where they needed to put the work in. And so let me remind you one more time. Instead of looking for somebody, become somebody. Instead of finding the right person, become the right person. Become the person that you're looking for, is looking for. I want to end... And I completely changed the end of my sermon last night because I felt somebody's really going to need to hear this. These are things I don't like talking about. About 17 and a half years ago, when Emily and I were about a year and a half into our dating relationship, there was a night where we had gotten so ugly with each other, and I know you know me as your pastor and stuff now, and so you probably could have never comprehended the way that I used to talk to my bride. Now, she wasn't my bride at the time. And we got so ugly. I mean, we had learned enough about each other that we were using things against each other, and we were throwing arrows, and we were shooting, shooting arrows, throwing daggers, whatever it is. And we, we just absolutely, we wrecked each other. We wrecked each other. And it was so bad, I remember, we were sitting on a couch in her apartment, And we finally were like, we were exhausted out of hurt. And we looked at each other and we're like, we're done. Like, we got to call this quits. Why in the world would we continue in something that's so destructive and toxic? And then we, something just kind of caught our attention. And I don't remember who it was that brought it up. If it was smart, it was probably her. And her parents had told us that there was a season in their marriage where they almost got a divorce. 
And they changed one thing. They started praying together out loud. They'd never done that, except for like dinner time and stuff, just little generic prayers. And so they started praying together out loud. And so that night, we're kind of looking at each other, and we're believers. We're not like truly committed followers of Jesus, but we're believers, and we, we know what it is God wants us to do and stuff. And we're like, well, do, do we want to give it a shot? Like, do we want to start praying out loud together? Do we think that's going to make any difference in our relationship at this point? We've been together since that night, about 17 and a half years. And that night, we started praying out loud together. And friends... There has not been, and I can say this with complete confidence and honesty, we have not spoken to each other that way in 17 and a half years. The reason why I want to share that with you is because transformation is possible no matter where you're at right now. Maybe you're in a relationship, and as I'm talking about a lot of things, you're thinking, man, I'm already married and I feel like, like we've already, we messed up. Maybe I married the wrong person. Or maybe you're in a dating relationship like we were at that time. And you're thinking, man, this has kind of gotten toxic. And maybe we just need to call it quits. Maybe, maybe. Or maybe you need to start inviting God into your life in a way that you never have. Maybe you need to start inviting God into your marriage in a way that you never have. Because transformation is possible. Transformation is possible for each and every one of you, no matter how your story reads up until today. And the reason why I can say it with so much conviction is because I've lived it. So I'm going to pray for us right now. And then Corey's going to come up and lead us in a time of response. And I want you to make up your mind. I don't know what that looks like. I just know when it comes to sex, love, and dating, so many of you, you need to make up your mind today on who it is that you need to be, who it is that you need to be becoming, the decisions that you need to make in the direction that God wants you to take. I'm going to pray for us, and then I want you to spend some real time with God in this time of response. Let me pray for us. Father, oh, there's so much baggage that comes with this subject. Father, so many of us have failures following us when it comes to sex, love, and dating. And so, Father, number one, can we just collectively say thank you for your grace? Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for what you did for us on the cross so that our past doesn't have to define our future. But God, at the same time, we know that there are decisions that we need to be making right now that will directly affect our future relationships. And so, Father, I pray that whatever that looks like for each individual person in this room, that you'll give them the courage to do it. I think about the prayer that I pray with my kids every single night. It's a simple prayer. It's a prayer maybe that you could allow to be stuck in the minds of people in this room. God, show us the right thing to do and give us the courage to do it. God, show us the right thing to do and give us the courage to do it. That's all we're really asking for. And so, Father, would you meet us in the midst of this moment and show what, what, what does it look like for each and every one of us to make up our mind. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.